it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're with us all week long. We've got a big hour coming your way. Lawrence Jones at the bottom of the hour, full half hour with General Jack Keenan Studio. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. We're following the breaking news, including the President Trump just gave a late endorsement to. His choice for speaker. Uh, we're also seeing what is going on uh, with this new poll that came in. It's just stunning and uh, terrible news for Democrats uh, from Marquette and Gallup. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. And we're not tracking, by the way, any of the money. We need to get an accounting of every dime that has been spent. And I tell you what, I will not support another penny for Ukraine. Uh, he never did. Uh, Senator Josh Hawley, but echoing some other thoughts among Republicans about funding for Ukraine. But guess what? Vladimir Putin in a meeting yesterday noticed the fracture in the American caucus and said if America stops, stops supplying weapons to Ukraine, they take the whole country. Number two. I have gotten confirmation that former President Donald J. Trump will be announcing his endorsement of Jim Jordan for speaker. That was breaking news. Kingmaker picks the speaker, and it's Jim Jordan. Yes, the 45th president who wants to be the 47th says Jordan will be the next speaker. If Steve Scalise is still very viable, even without the Trump power, they're still friends. I sense next week will be a circus. Number one. The border wall, the money was appropriated for the border wall. I tried to get them to reappropriate, to redirect that money. They didn't. They wouldn't. Do you believe the border wall works? No. Of course it works. It's not all you need, but it works. We know that. Okay, just 20 miles, but it's just, it's a start. As millions of illegal immigrants pour into our country, for the first time, the Biden administration knows they're in trouble on this, and we all know they're to blame, and we're scram- and they are scrambling now to fix it. But General Jack Keene, you're in studio, and I'm just wondering, as politics gets into what you do best, and that's help America win wars, are you getting concerned at all that people no longer understand why we're in Ukraine and are beginning to fall away, uh, their support's beginning to fall away. Yes, yes, certainly. Uh, and part of that problem deals with the president himself because he's never really made the case uh, why does Ukraine really matter to the American people. And, and number two is he really doesn't have a coherent strategy. I mean, staying in Ukraine for as long as it takes is not a strategy. Most of us who understand where the administration is coming from recognize that from the very outset, what the administration really wanted was to go to a negotiation as soon as possible and don't do anything that would arouse Putin in terms of military escalation. And that is why we've we've had the intermittent delivery of weapons and ammunition as opposed to giving Ukraine everything that they need to win. Zelensky's strategy is unequivocally clear. Drive the Russians out of Ukraine, liberate its territory, free its people. And I believe that is now where most of the Europeans are because they've come to the conclusion, Brian, that look at the the sooner we end this war, the better it is for everyone, for them in terms of the funding, the Ukrainians in terms of their livelihood, 
and their people and and recovery and reconstruction can start as opposed to intermittently delivering weapons and ammunition, protracting the war and catering to what Putin wants. Drag the war out as long as possible. That will evaporate political support for the war in the United States and in Europe. And in the end, he wins. Even one of these oligarchs, Obramovich, came out and said, I don't expect the Russian economy to last a year. He goes, they're going to just run out of money. And he says yesterday, uh, I'm surprised it's still sustaining itself. They do have money, and the sanctions have not been as effective as I thought. What is your take on the sanctions, and uh, is it the fact that they're leaky or not enough? The sanctions always take time, and I think they never quite meet expectations. It was true with the Iranian sanctions. It's true here. And look at Russian oil and gas is being bought at discount prices on the open market. China is is doing a lot of it. Other countries are, are as well. Yeah, very much so. So that is their number one commodity. And it's alive and is not as well as it used to be, but it certainly is very productive for them. And the other thing is, is that I think the Russian people themselves are very hardy, tough people. And Putin knows they will grind this out in terms of additional hardships. He, he understands his people. The, the, the thing I think that would really get him uh, in terms of domestic pushback is if he went to full mobilization. And that is why he has resisted that. When he even did, did a partial mobilization, he had hundreds of thousands of young people flood the country. So full mobilization is, is something he doesn't want to do. And when he has a death in the country, think of this, Brian, when someone is killed in the country, he gives them the equivalent in U.S. dollars to something around sixty to $70,000 handout to the family. And it is really quite extraordinary what has taken place. So in a sense, he's, he's buying their loyalty despite the death of, of a loved one. Well, that's pretty insane. Uh, he's calling up another 100,000. When you say full mobility, these are drafted. You just draft civilians. It's oh, yeah. not as if yeah. they're reserves, correct? No, no. I'm talking about, yeah, he's going to full mobilization means he's going to draft 19 to 22-year-olds, uh, hundreds of thousands of, of them. Putin has a people advantage over Zelensky, and that's why he favors a protracted war. Also, while he has challenges with his defense industrial base, you know, he, he is being assisted by others who are helping him. Certainly, North Korea is, is part of that story. China is giving him pieces and parts, but not the actual weapons, but giving him the things that enable weapons development is taking, taking place as well. And you have uh, Iran with their drones, and Ukraine has been very re- re- uh, resourceful in terms of what they're doing, what we give them. Yeah, and Iran is setting up manufacturing drone uh, plants in, in Russia. So I think where Putin is coming from, time, he believes, is on his side, uh, that the politics in the United States and Europe uh, will actually catch up to Zelensky and the support will evaporate. Mm-hmm. I'm not, even though there's the minority who are opposing funding in the United States, the political minority, mostly in the House, have a vocal voice. Uh, The last time a vote was dealt with, uh, of the 433 people in Congress, 311 are voting for Ukraine funding. So it is there. Right. Here's Uh, what Lindsey Graham said, uh, cut 27. We got to fix asylum. 
We need border security agent increases. We need more detention beds. I think there's democratic support for major border security reform, but we have to attach it to Ukraine. To those who say we need to fix our border, you're right. To those who say we need to help Ukraine, you're right. To those who say we need to do the border, not Ukraine, you're wrong. The vast majority of Senate Republicans would support a combination of border security, Ukraine funding, and disaster aid. But not the majority, uh, maybe not the majority of Republicans, but almost every Democrat who would be able to get it out. But if the speaker, whoever it is, uh, puts together a bill that doesn't have Ukraine aid, uh, they'll have to generate it possibly from the State Department. I thought, uh, thought Kevin McCarthy did a brilliant job in his exit interview, in his exit press conference, talking about what's at stake with Ukraine. It was just off a question. This is off the top of his head. Cut 29. I'm really concerned, though, long term. What's happening around looks a lot like the 1930s. A lot of actions that Putin takes is very similar to Hitler. If you, if you, if you are history buffs, you'll know Hitler served in the World War I army, right? He hated that his country collapsed, and they signed the Treaty of Versailles. And what did he do? He ran and created a new party and ran in democracy again and again and again until he won. And when he won, what did he do? He took the freedoms away. And and assembled a war machine. And I see a lot of similarities. The the similarity that I see, uh, certainly the comparison to Hitler and Putin is a real one. But it's also the similarity in the thought process that you see with the isolationists who just, let's take care of America. we got to take care of our border. Of course we do. we got an epic crime wave problem in the United States. Of course we got to get after problems like that. we got a fentanyl problems killed over 100,000 people in one year. Of course we got to get after issues like that. But in addition, to, in addition to that, the fact that America should not be a global leader in the world, America post-World War II has helped to establish peace, stability, and prosperity in the world as a global leader. And people still look to America for that kind of leadership. So when you have a dictator on the march in Europe and starting a war very similar to what McCarthy was talking about with World War II, the only way to deal with that is you have to stop him. Otherwise, he continues to expand. He promised us Ukraine in terms of an invasion. He talked about it for years, and we dismissed him. He's talked about the fact that he wants to expand the Russian Federation into Eastern Europe, which are all NATO-based countries, which means he wants to break, he wants to weaken NATO by taking Ukraine and then break NATO by taking one of the Baltic countries or possibly Poland. I think we should believe what his intent is. And we have, the, we have his strategic partner threatening war in the Pacific. And, I, and he's been threatening it now for over six years. He said if unification doesn't come. Reunification is a word he, he likes to use. Then he will take it by force. And he's told his military, be ready by 2027. I think we should take him at its word. And to think that we just can come back to the United States and fix all of our internal problems and stay not involved in the world out there and don't accept any risk in terms of helping to stabilize and secure, help help promote peace in the world, which leads to prosperity. Right. I, I, we've been there before. That was the mindset of of a minority of vocal Americans during the 1930s. And we have those kind of isolationists. Once again, they're in a minority, certainly, but they're very vocal. 
and it, it comes under the guise of America first. Well, of course we want America to be first. But at the same time, America, I believe, is the only indispensable country in the world that can exercise global leadership to help stabilize and secure the world for what? Lifting all boats in terms of prosperity. Our economic prosperity is tied to America's leadership in the world. And there's an absolute direct correlation with that. And certainly what Putin is doing in, in, in Ukraine and wants to do in Europe writ large. I mean, if we take a knee and we lose Ukraine, China wins. And Putin will reset, right. not immediately, because he has to recover. But he will reset knowing now that the United States-led coalition in Europe has severely weakened and broken and he's handed us another strategic defeat. We just, we just saw what strategic defeat looks like in Afghanistan. We surrendered a country to the enemy we were fighting for 20 years. We know what the implications of that would mean if we had another strategic defeat in Europe and backed away from Ukraine and surrendered it to Putin. And the president's going to make a major speech. When we come back, we'll talk about what should be in that speech. And the president is not a great orator. Uh, would would if he could just take exactly what Kevin McCarthy said uh, the other night, knowing we do have other things, but there's a reason why we're there. And if you actually draw it as another defeat like Saigon and Afghanistan, I think the American people would understand. So we're going to be back more with General Keene in just a moment. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. There have been several notices to Kiev in the past few weeks indicating that certain kinds of U.S. economic aid will be linked to Ukraine's progress in reforming its institutions. The U.S. expects Ukraine to continue pursuing various anti-corruption and financial transparency efforts. And that is a, a report on another network talking about Ukraine. They got to fight corruption. They fired like six defense officials before he came over to the United Nations a month ago. Uh, with me in studio is General Jack Keane. General, is it a legitimate worry for uh, American politicians and American uh, citizens about corruption in Ukraine, where our money's going? Yeah. I mean, the history of Ukraine is they, they've had corruption. You know, it was a former Soviet system. And then when the Soviet Union collapsed. Uh, much of that model stayed in place in successive governments. Uh, they know they have a problem, and that is why, as you just noted, they removed a number of defense officials who were padding contracts and take, taking money from those contracts. It had nothing to do 
uh, with uh, United States military equipment that we're providing or with our, our donor money. But look at, I mean, yeah, it's a concern. We chased this problem in Afghanistan right up until the day we yeah. left. And we, we had H.R. McMaster's uh, when he was a brigadier general working for Dave Petraeus in, uh, in Afghanistan. He was in charge of trying to stop it. And he's one of our best and brightest uh, generals we've ever had. So, yeah, I mean, when, it, when it's in, it, a cultural thing so embedded in the system, it's challenging. And should we watch it like a hawk? You bet. Should we have oversight on it? You bet. Uh, all of those things should be, should be taking place. Should we stop giving aid to Ukraine because we're afraid that some of it is going to fall in the wrong hands? No. Let's just put a system in place to make certain that the money is and follow the money and follow the equipment. Do you think that they're getting a sense of urgency now when they hit last week, they hit Crimea, they, their version of the Pentagon, we, they see him with rockets. Do you think that the Ukraine, not only for their own preservation, but for aid preservation, allies, maybe picked up the pace a little bit? Yeah, I mean, the Ukrainians have two things that they're doing militarily. One is the close fight, which you see taking place to try to break through Russian lines, and they've had some success with that, but they got a a ways to go, about another 40 or 50 miles to accomplish their objectives. And that's going to be, that's going to be tough. Uh, and the other is the deep fight. And that deep fight is taking place in Crimea, where their military bases are, uh, where there's fuel and ammunition depots. And when, if they get all the way down to where they want to go in, in, the, in the southern part of Ukraine, they'll bring forward behind their lines long-range rockets and missiles, their killer drones, and right. they will pummel those bases uh, day in and day out, not just sporadically like they're doing now. They will, they will have a campaign to do that. Zelensky believes if he's able to do that, that would force Putin's hand to go to negotiations without having to actually put troops on the ground right. in Crimea. He thinks that is what he wants to do this year. Whether he's going to be able to achieve that remains to be seen. But that deep fight that you just mentioned is very important to them. Uh, president's going to meet with President Xi in the next month or so. What should his message be? If there if two things that he should make sure to tell the President Xi. Well, number one, the reason why the tension is increasing in the area, the reason why the allies, uh, our allies, his neighbors, South Korea, Japan, the Philippines, Vietnam, Australia, the reason why these countries are are putting their arms around the United States is because of the tension that he is causing in the region, his economic predatory nature uh, that he uses as leverage, and then his military intimidation and coercion that he's doing in the South China Sea and in the Taiwan Straits. And he keeps threatening the use of force. The United States doesn't talk about that. The United States isn't intimidating or coercing anybody. There's no other countries there intimidating coercion. And there's only one country doing this. Yep. And that is, I would put that right on a table with Mr. Xi and tell him, listen, tension is rising, we're getting closer to conflict, but this is what is driving it. And although he probably knows it, but he wants to know how serious we're taking it. Uh, Absolutely. General, it's always great to have you in. Uh, And hopefully the president gets on board and starts telling the American people why this is all important. Thanks so much, General. Yeah, great talking to you, Brian, and your audience. Thank you.
A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. This is just one small step. Yeah. Last point, if this, was, if this is what they need to do to be legal today, were they violating the law yesterday or last month? I would say this is their job since they came into office. But suddenly there's some special thing about this one date in October 23. Uh, Americans are smart enough to see right through it. Lee Zeldin referring to the fact that suddenly the administration says, legally, by law, I got to put up that wall, even though it's going to be a different wall, it's going to be shorter, and it's going to be mobile. And now, after having two days ago, hearing from Homeland Security Secretary saying that they need a very specific uh, barrier put up in a time in a time sensitive fashion, they quickly walked it back. No one is buying it. In fact, as Peter Ducey referenced yesterday, it was the first time since he got the job that everybody in the press room was asking the same topic, the same question, and were upset that she wasn't answering. With me right now, uh, Lawrence Jones, a co-host of Fox and Friends, as you know, and he's also got a brand new book out called American Man. Speaking the truth about the war on masculinity, which comes out on Tuesday, and there you are on the cover. Thanks, brother. Uh, yeah, man, it's great to have an additional uh, few minutes with you. I mean, as, as if you know, three hours wasn't enough. Right now, you got to get yeah. Now you got to get some more quality time. Well, we got to have you on just for the book in particular, Thank and you. and why I wasn't on the cover. Right, <laughs> because I, in so many ways, am the man, the man that people want to be. So, like. so here's the deal. You don't give me a lot of credit for this, but. I I named Ainsley America's Sweetheart, and I said that you're the face right. of Fox and Friends. And this was before I even joined the, right. the show, and I still haven't changed it. I still say that you're the face of the show, and I get absolutely no credit for yeah, it. Yeah, because, I, again, like I said last time, I just don't believe you mean it. I, I really do. I, really <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone's face. We, we know this. When you, you would name the show, like it's Lord the Ingram Angle, yeah. uh, you know, uh, when your name's in the show. Yeah. It's a lot different from when you're the logo is more important than the show. I always realize Fox true. and Friends is the logo. It is the logo. And, and but then they put in all these. But problems. that's the unique thing about it, though. They didn't even put your name in it. And right. you're still the face of it. It's crazy. <laughs> all right. So the border thing to me is amazing. Uh, 1.7 million migrant encounters in 2021. Stunning. Until you look at 2022, 2.3. Until you look at 2023, we've already passed that. Mm-hmm. People coming across. And what I what I see now is instead of people saying, "Well, I'm just going to keep doing it because there's so many people in America that like it," uh, they have a their faction of people that support them and this ridiculous lack of border policy and refusal to enforce the law is shrinking by the day. It could result in a Republican route in 2024. Well, when you have Donald Trump, whose signature issue was the border when he was coming down those escalators, and they demonized him for that at the time, he rallied Republicans and independents and blue dog Democrats uh, to get aside. Okay, then uh, you get Joe Biden take office, and he reverses everything on day one, not just the border wall, but all the technology that was at the border as well was left to just rot. Okay, then they 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 get upset because Greg Abbott starts sending them uh, right. a problem that they wanted. They wanted to be sanctuaries. I think it's going to be a losing issue. And Brian, it's not just you know white conservatives and and I hate to do the identity thing, but this is what the left does. So when you have black folks that are in Chicago City Council meetings saying, "What are you doing? We got homeless people there. We got crime ridden our city. Our education sucks, and you're going to bring in illegals and give them more resources? We're not tolerating that." How about that? You're putting them on our fields. You yeah, know, we can't even we can't have youth sports. You know, Randall's Island. In New York, it literally is an island, and in it are 12 to 15 fields, yeah. and they are 
teaming until 11 o'clock at night. They have first game. I've, I've coached there, and the first game has been 8 in the morning. Mm-hmm. So it's nonstop, and now they can't. And now all of a sudden, these teams like Manhattan Soccer Club, they got to go play every away game. It's crazy. And then no more pickup games. And no one so cares. You, and you wonder why people have nothing to do at night. You finally get kids to join a league. You get coaches to volunteer. And then you put illegal immigrants on their fields. So, Brian. And and I hate to do this because you don't want to make everything an election issue, but this is what the other side does. So do you think those people are going to go vote for the Democrats after they did that to their kids, after they destroyed that? They've been locked down for three years. Right. And they finally get the opportunity to have some joy. And they say, no, 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 no. we're going to put a pause on that because the legals have to take over the field. It's just I don't think people are going to vote for that. So if you look at inflation, you look at immigration, and you look at the economy, Republicans are grading higher in this latest Gallup poll by 20, 30 points. Highest ever. But on another channel, they speculate the only reason Democrats aren't panicking, because they say even with this massive lead, it is Donald Trump, and they say he will bring the Republicans down, quote, if, if they had any other candidate there, I think there'd be a real alarm among Democrats in the White House about these polls and what they're showing. Republicans are Democrats, issues like inflation, economy, and immigration. Uh, 25 to 30-point margins, what equals it out, they claim, mm-hmm. is Donald Trump. Your feeling? You, th- th- they said that in 2016 as well. But, and I would just say this, that you know it's okay for them to run on emotions when people were doing well under the Trump economy in the last election. That's what they ran it on, emotion. But people don't have the luxury to just focus on emotion and mean tweets uh, anymore. They're living paycheck to paycheck. Our crime in, in this country is out of control. People are getting bashed in the head. They're getting carjacked. You're letting the legals take over their kids' playgrounds. Um, I, I just don't think <laughs> I mean, that, that, that people are thinking about a mean tweet. Oh, oh, by the way, the paycheck, the paycheck living, people having uh, to, to borrow from family members and everything. I think that's what's on top of their mind. So there was just this huge job number, too. It, it almost doubled what they projected. Mm-hmm. 330,000 jobs yeah. were added. So the economy is growing somehow, some way. I'm not sure it's just the government, but that's what – Joe Biden's going to be telling everybody again. That's why I ran on Bidenomics. But he tried that this summer, and he fell on his face by all accord. He wasted his money. And now the money is anti-Trump ads. But what we're seeing now is Trump is leading. We saw the poll again. He's up in Pennsylvania by two. Overall, in the real clear average, he's up by three. And then we saw that 12-point advantage of the Washington Post. While they haul him into court, they're trying to bankrupt him in the fall and jail him in the spring. I, I have a request for the Republicans, and because I understand, I understand how the president can be polarizing. Look, sometimes Donald Trump doesn't like some of the things that I say. Sometimes he praises me. Sometimes he'll be like, well, LJ, me too. So I understand the personality, but you got to unite with the people because it's their grievances that matter. You shouldn't be so afraid of Donald Trump. You need to be afraid of what the people feel. And I think if they focus on the people, there, there's a reason why Donald Trump no one has been able to take um, those people but the governors that were successful. Take uh, uh, Kemp in, in Georgia. We did diners there. They said, look, I like Donald Trump, but we also like our governor because guess what? He responded to the needs of our state. And opened them up first. These other popul- uh, um, politicians have to do the same thing. they got to respond to what the people want. The old uh, days of doing politics is over, Brian. So what's interesting is uh, today's Politico says that Brian Kemp said yesterday – that he, despite the fact that he has problems with the president, he will vote for him if he's a nominee. 
The other thing is Club for Growth put $6 million into defeating Donald Trump, and they've only fueled him. Therefore, yeah. they've stopped funding him. For Ron DeSantis, he is losing one big donor, and then he's just lost Ken Griffin. They said, for now, we'll stop giving you money. Wow. The sense is of an inevitability. And when you see Donald Trump in court, you would think that that would be the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I haven't seen a poll since. But seeing him in court was actually a good move, don't you think? A hundred percent. It shows that it, it's a picture to the American people because everybody knows that it's unfair. So it, it says to them, you could be next. And look, Ron DeSantis' people, they think I hate him. It has nothing to do with hating the governor or anything, but I predicted this early on. I said, look, I'm not some uh, brilliant strategist. I'm not smarter than anybody, but all, what I do do, is spend time with American people in diners every single day, and I cover stories every single day, and I that is the base of the Republican Party. And they're not leaving Donald Trump because they feel like he's the only guy that is fighting for them. And Ron DeSantis is not good with those people right now. They respected him as the governor, but they don't think he has done enough of the work for them uh, nationally. And that's why Donald Trump is going to... Smooth selling to the nomination. Well, after 2022, he picked some bad candidates. And, you know, may, what's his name? Uh, the the governor nominee just destroyed the state, maybe mm-hmm. lost over Dr. Mm-hmm. Oz. Dr. Oz, I thought, was really good. Other people like Dave McCormick. I like them both. Dave McCormick's now trailing by six against Casey, but he hasn't really started yet. Big-time businessman, military guy, uh, West Point guy. Yeah. Uh, now he's a, basically a billionaire. Uh, the other thing uh, to keep in mind, too, is that, uh, the president did not rally around Ron DeSantis to help him out because Ron DeSantis didn't ask him, and mm-hmm. he did it. But I think if the president signed the race, DeSantis would probably still be leading him and Nikki Haley. Mm-hmm. But the president got in the race, and what happened is so did the cases start. And instead of those cases like Alvin Bragg hurting him, and I, I would love to play back some tape of people before. When the indictments come, Trump goes down. Yeah. The indictments came, Trump went up. Indictments came, Trump's get up. And guess what? All the haters covered him. Mm-hmm. All these, uh, all the people just covering him, covering him because it's the number one story. Right. And nobody did anything. You see Nikki Haley in a plaid shirt in yeah. Iowa on a farm. No one's covering Not gonna it. going to work. Also, Brian, and you and I have a little bit of a disagreement on this. I think if anybody wanted to get the nomination, they had to take him on head on. You, you, you can't. Like Chris um, Christie is not helping. You can't helping. tiptoe around the king. Well, first of all, Chris Christie doesn't govern as a conservative, so he never really had a, a shot. Um, he, he's a moderate Republican at best. Um, and I think there's a difference in attacking the former president on the charges than attacking him on the policy. So if you want to go after him, you got to go toe-to-toe right. with the former president if you're going to dethrone the king. None of those candidates really did that, so they really didn't have a shot on that point. So you spent yesterday with uh, Eric Johnson, mayor of Dallas, mm-hmm. and he switched parties, African-American guy. Here's a little of your interview, Cut 21. The reality is, is there's a really big gap at this point in time between who I am, what's important to me, what I'm about, and where the Democratic Party is and what's important to them and what they're about. And that's really come to a head since I've become the mayor. If you look at how I've governed, it's been Republican, for instance, fiscal conservative principles, pro-law enforcement, pro-public safety principles. I'm just saying that is the kind of Republican I want to be, and, I, and we need more of them. So what's been the response been since he switched? What was it like being with him? You know, he's a great guy and just so smooth and calm. There's a calmness about him because he he really believes in the value system. He said, look, 
I've, I've been governing as a Republican mayor for the last four years. Just no one really knew about it. Um, and I think the response from the community is that they know him. He's from the hood. He's from West Dallas as Oak Cliff. Uh, he knows the people. They love him. Um, I think the, he's gotten some pushback from the black elites. But those people don't control the day-to-day uh, of the party. They can have all these opinions. But the average day voter in Dallas that knows him says he's still our guy. And I think the Republicans would be foolish Foolish not to capitalize on this opportunity. And they don't need to come in with their plan. They need to back his plan. He's the only Republican mayor in a major city. And he's saying, look, Republicans, y'all don't have any more of me. I I did a model that was a blueprint. I'm anti-crime. I want lower taxes. And I can win people over. Just back his plan. Right. uh, He also backed the cops. He backed the cops. And I think, look, BLM, as well as the anarchists and Antifa, they made a fatal mistake. Not only did they try to shut down our bridge in Dallas, Texas, and he said no go. Um, They responded by surrounding his house, bullying his wife and kids. Um, That ticked him off. And when you did that. It was it was it was no bueno for BLM and, and the anarchists. Uh, uh, Lawrence Jones sticks around in just a moment. His book's coming out next week, and it is going to be great uh, when you can get it. I can get it ahead of time because I've met him. <laughs> uh, America Man, the name of it. Uh, you can pre-order it now. Don't move. Brian Kilmeade. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. You need someone who can unite the conference and I think just as importantly unite the conservative and Republican movement across this country. Uh, that's what I think I can do. That's why I'm running for the job. I like the job I had. Uh, chairman of the Judiciary Committee, Chairman of the Select Committee on the Weaponization of Government, doing the work there. But I do think we have to have someone who can bring our team together. I think I'm best equipped to do that. The eight people who voted in a way that I, I disagreed with, yeah. we got to bring them into the fold. That is uh, Jim Jordan on Fox and Friends yesterday. Lawrence Jones here for a couple more minutes. Uh, he's making a strong case without vilifying competitors like Steve Scalise, who didn't say anything bad against Jim Jordan. This is going to mm-hmm. be a t- tough fight, but I sense a fair fight. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, and I, I think a lot of credit to Jim Jordan, founder of the Freedom Caucus, was a thorn, as I said, on Fox and Friends and Boehner's, as well as Paul Ryan's uh, uh, side. But over the last few years, you've, you've seen he's kept his principles, but he's been working a lot with the establishment, trying to get them to understand the other side, the conservative wing uh, of the party. And I think because he did that, and then the last two times where everybody tried to get him to run and said, look, run, run, run. He goes, I don't want to do it. They get him again. I, I don't want to do it. I just want to run oversight. Because he waited his turn. There's there's power in waiting sometimes. Waiting for your chance. And we're not in a time or a system of government where we anoint our leaders. But I think he was able to win over some of his colleagues. Look, I don't know how it's going to go down there in Washington. Uh, I think they're going to duke it out. But I think it's going to be a clean fight between him and Scalise because but they have respect for each other. they got to do it in one day. Yeah. I don't know how they do it. And this, you know, Congressman Graves, who might run himself, mm-hmm. said it's going to be weeks Maybe months. They I don't got, think so. They only got nine months. I mean, how much longer do they have as, as in the majority? I don't think so. And and my recommendation to them would be to get in the room uh, of the caucus, 
and they do whatever they were going to do on the floor there. And then they come out with who the speaker is going to be. From Have I'm you not met saying, the Republicans? I, Have I, you I, seen what happened on I, Tuesday? I, I, Are I, you crazy? But, you know, there was this sense of from some, even some that voted for McCarthy at the end, that he was forced down their throat. And uh, a lot of them just did not like him. They just did not like him. I was talking with some representatives yesterday, and I said, look, I go, I don't get it uh, because I feel like them going for Scalise is saying it's just another McCarthy in general. So, you know, what are you going to get different? They go, Lawrence, Scalise is different from McCarthy. And these are guys that were supporting McCarthy. Yeah. And they said there, there's a big difference. So there's a lot of folks that just did not like Kevin, and they also didn't like um, that he didn't talk to them a lot. And you got to remember, Brian, he was supposed to be speaker back in 2015. He was anointed to be speaker, and they go no go, and withdrew well, and got Paul Ryan to do it. Well, they, so, they had to beg Paul Ryan to do yeah, it. Yeah, he never should have said yes. Um, yeah, because then no and one. And they liked just him hate you right away. But I would say Steve Scalise is a better fundraiser. It seems. Yeah. Jim Jordan. Uh, I know he's got plenty of energy, so that'll be key. Show up, and and maybe the money comes. Uh, I feel bad for Steve Scalise too because the timing's terrible. He's going through uh, chemo. And the treatment for blood cancer. Yeah. It, How do you travel the country, fundraise, run a I, caucus, and deal with that? I wonder about that as well. But it, it, Steve Scalise, and you know, uh, he had an interview on Fox Friends this morning. Um, he doesn't seem like that's impacting him at all. Yeah, but, I mean, but but folks that know cancer know the effect that it has on people's body. We all have had loved ones that have experienced it some type of way. So we'll see. I think it's going to be a great fight. Uh, just come out unified. Yeah, in the meantime, uh, download or pre-order The American Man by Lawrence Jones, speaking the truth about the war on masculinity. Sadly, I am not on the cover, but Lawrence <laughs> is, so it will sell. Lawrence, thanks, thanks so much. I appreciate and it, man. See you Monday. Stay within yourself. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. We come to you from Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, heard around the world, uh, wherever you are, whether it's uh, whether it's on your listening device, whether it's on your home radio. A lot of people still gather around the radio and just listen to the show, I understand. I don't have any proof of that, but that is my image. Uh, also, people driving in their cars, or you have your smart, spe- uh, smart speaker, that could be it. Uh, Alexa, put on the Brian Kilmeade show. So there, I helped you. Uh, this hour, we're going to be joined by Tommy Laren and Jimmy uh, Failure. Um, uh, <laughs> he's going to be here together. Is this the first time they've appeared together? Do we know, Eric? Christine? Ever? I'm yeah. not sure. Do we know, Christine? You have no idea? All right. Is this going to be good? Uh, and Senator Tom Cotton standing by. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. And we're not tracking, by the way, any of the money. We need to get an accounting of every dime that has been spent. And I tell you what, I will not support another penny for Ukraine. Never did. Uh, Senator Hawley, Ukraine funding in peril, and Vladimir Putin celebrates literally yesterday. Is that what America wants? Number two. I have gotten confirmation that former President Donald J. Trump will be announcing his endorsement of Jim Jordan for speaker. There you go. Kingmaker picks the speaker, Jim Jordan. Yes, the 45th president who wants to be the 47th president says Jordan should be next. Is Steve Scalise still viable even without Trump power? I think so. 
Number one. The border wall, the money was appropriated for the border wall. I tried to get them to reappropriate to redirect that money. They didn't. They wouldn't. Do you believe the border wall works? No. Yeah, but you used to. Build the wall. Okay, just 20 miles, but it's a start. As millions pour into our country at a rate we have not seen before in our history, making a mockery of our laws and this administration. For the first time, the Biden administration knows, and that we all know, they are to blame, and they are scrambling to fix it. And that is not news to Senator Tom Cotton. Senator, can you believe the Attorney General, as well as the Secretary of State, as well as the Mayor of New York, are all in Central and South America trying to find out if they could stop this uh, this flood of individuals into our country. Why now, do you think, Senator? <laughs> well, Brian, thanks for having me on again. I think why now is that we're in the final months of 2023, and when the calendar turns, it's going to be 2024. And Joe Biden knows that the disaster at our border is a grave peril for his reelection, uh, which he seems to care more about than the grave peril it's posed to our families and communities for nearly three years. Look, he said yesterday, for instance, that He's got to build 20 miles of wall because the terrible Republican Congress back from the Trump era mandated it. He has no option. Well, if he had no option in October of 2023, why didn't he have no option in January of 2021? What he recognizes is that the American people strongly, overwhelmingly disapprove of his performance on our border and immigration. And they're taking every step they can to slap a couple Band-Aids on to look like they're doing something serious, when in reality, given their, his behavior over the last two and a half years, we know that if he wins re-election, it's once again, again going to be ali ali oxen free at our border. If you show up, you will get in, and right. you will never be asked to leave. But when you see mayors of Chicago scramble down to the border and say the federal government's responsible, and you see mayors embarrassing this administration because they're doing the job that they have no, they have really, it's not their job to go into these other countries and ask people not to come. I wonder who's benefiting. I mean, he's not benefiting politically. He's got 23% approval rating on immigration. He's got an election coming up. That doesn't win you elections. No, I, I think what these mayors are facing is, one, overwhelming overwhelming stress on their own services and systems, on their hospitals yeah. and schools and housing and so forth. At the same time, they're worried about their own political hide. So it is beneficial for these Democratic mayors and governors to take a stance against an extraordinarily unpopular president on probably his least popular issue. But again, if New York City or Chicago can't handle 10 or 20,000 immigrants total, what do we think about those Texas border towns who have to handle those just in the span of a couple days? That's why the only solution is to close our border right. and to insist the only immigrants coming to this country will be those who come through legal channels. Look, Brian, you know, and a lot of your listeners may know that under ordinary asylum and refugee standards and norms around the world. When you leave your country because you're facing persecution, you don't get to just choose where you want to go. You don't get to say, I want to go to America or Australia or Norway because they're rich, nice places to live. You get to go to the first country where you can escape persecution. So first off, Brian, there's not really the kind of persecution in Latin America except maybe in Cuba and Venezuela that would justify people seeking asylum in America. But second, it, once you leave those countries, you may be in someone seeking refuge or asylum. Once you enter another country and leave and come to America, you're no longer seeking refuge. You're a migrant. 
So the only people, the only people that should be showing up at our border are Mexicans because they have no third right. country to go to other than to their south. So, but if so, you're from Central America or yeah. Latin America, you should not be coming all the way to America under ordinary international uh, standards. And we should start enforcing that just like Donald Trump did in his final days in office. So what they're saying is more Venezuelans, 500,000 have come in minimum since the president took office. And they say they blame the sanctions put on by the previous administration and the same thing with Cuba. And that's what the Mexican president has said as well. Is it the fault of uh, their our government or their government that there's sanctions on those countries? Well, it, it's the fault of the dictators in Havana and Caracas that we have sanctions on those countries. If they would simply stop allowing such anti-American activities to be launched from their own from their soil, if they would start acting like normal nations to their neighbors, if they would stop repressing their own people, there would, of course, be no sanctions. We would be happy to welcome Cuba and Venezuela back to the civilized world of nations. But because of their virulent anti-American activities, because of their brutal oppression of their own people, they face sanctions. And and again, this is another example of Joe Biden and left-wing politicians in Latin America blaming America first, as opposed to looking in the mirror if they live in those countries, or President Biden taking a firm stand for American interests and against anti-American governments. So I want you to hear, for people who say, the president yesterday came out and said this, cut one. The border wall, the money was appropriated for the border wall. I tried to get them to reappropriate, to redirect that money. They didn't, they wouldn't. And in the meantime, there's nothing under the law other than they have to use the money for what was appropriate. I can't stop that. Do you believe the border wall works? No. Okay. Everyone knows it's not the only answer, but they have pedestals and light poles, but they're not. There's no the electric. The roads aren't finished and the actual wall isn't up. Do you know the report is now they're going to be smaller walls and they're going to be mobile? These going to be like traffic dividers. You already we've already paid for metal laying in the desert. Why wouldn't you use that? Do you know anything about that, Senator Cotton? Yeah, and in some cases, Brian, I think we've discussed this in the past. The Biden administration has been trying to sell that material for pennies on the dollar to avoid it being used by a future Republican administration serious about the border. Look, the simple answer is that walls and uh, fences and barriers work. If Joe Biden thinks they don't work, then he should suggest to the Secret Service they take down the fence around the White House. As long as human beings have been living in organized society going back thousands of years, they have built walls to protect themselves. That's why we need a wall on our southern border. Now, you're correct that you cannot only have a wall or a barrier. In the Army, there's a saying that um, an obstacle without observation is not an obstacle. So you have to have, if you have, say, a wall or concertina wires or a minefield, soldiers or some kind of cameras watching it to make – because otherwise you can always overcome an obstacle. But you have to have the obstacle. The obstacle has to be present in addition to things like Border Patrol officers patrolling it or cameras surveilling it or ground sensors detecting if people are approaching it. The Mm -hmm. obstacle has to be there to have effective observation on it. Right. I think Joe Biden is demanding the NFL stop with the offensive lines. Those quarterbacks will be fine. Uh, and so I do think we're overcompensating. Uh, so I want to bring it to Ukraine. It's another uh, as a man who fought in the infantry, uh, very cares very much about the military. Here's a fellow conservative senator, Josh Hawley, on aid to Ukraine. Cut 24. 
I don't understand anything that I'm hearing. I thought that the rationale for us spending billions of dollars in Ukraine was military assistance. I thought this was all about stopping the Russians. But now it turns out, oh, no, that's not even the truth. Now it's just we're going to shovel money to their government bureaucrats. It's not bad enough we fund our own DEI, critical race theory, government bureaucrats in America. Now we're funding them in Ukraine. I mean, it's just you cannot make this stuff up, Laura. And this is why the American people have had it with this. This is absurd. So he has does not want another dime. Chip Roy does not want another dime. I don't feel comfortable siding with Sean Penn and Joe Biden. But I am. I do see the big picture and I see this as a version of the Afghanistan withdrawal and Saigon in the 70s. Well, Brian, you shouldn't side with Joe Biden, because although you and I support Ukraine, we don't support Joe Biden's Ukraine policy. Um, from the very beginning, he's pussyfooted around and only given Ukraine enough not to lose, as opposed to giving them everything they need from the very beginning to win. I, I want to contrast, uh, Brian, what Joe Biden has done in Ukraine with what Richard Nixon did 50 years ago this weekend in the Yom Kippur War. Israel was at risk of being overrun by the combined Arab armies. The State Department and the Pentagon were very hesitant to provide aid to Ukraine or aid to Israel. Richard Nixon heard that, and he said, in essence, send everything that shoots on everything that flies. And that decision to rearm Israel, the largest airlift in the history of mankind, bigger than the Berlin airlift, is what allowed Israel to survive as a nation to this day. That's exactly the approach that we should have taken with Ukraine, not just since the war started, but before the war started, to deter Vladimir Putin from invading in the first place. And you cited the Afghanistan collapse. There's a reason why Vladimir Putin began to mass his troops on Ukraine's borders within weeks of our collapse in Afghanistan. It's because Joe Biden projected weakness and irresolution. But from the very beginning of the war, once it did start, if we had simply provided Ukraine with the weapons they needed to protect their own territory or then to take it back and not allow Russia to dig in multiple lines of defenses, this war would have been shorter and less bloody, and it would have been better for America's interests, which I know is what you want. Right. So where do we go from here? Well, I, I think we need to continue to back Ukraine to the hill, providing them with the weapons that they need to defend and take back their territory. I think we need to look carefully at what Joe Biden has provided in terms of um, his own request for funds, because there are examples of things that I think Germany or the European Union could do a better job of funding than we could. But at the end of the day, we are the only nation, Brian, that can provide the shells and rockets and missiles and tanks and spare parts and so forth that can help them win on the battlefield. And that's what matters above all else. I would think so. Uh, I just think they got to explain it. The president's got a major address on this topic, but people have just lost faith in him about ability to implement and be involved, let alone communicate. He has not shown the American people the respect to explain the war. He just expects us to fund the war. And then it's now linked, as Lindsey Lindsey Graham says, look, I'm going to link this to the border wall funding and the border funding. I'm not going to just say sign off on Ukraine. You have to put the border in there. Is that where Senator Tom Cotton is? Yeah. 
Um, I, I think that would be a reasonable compromise at this point for the president to accept. Obviously, the president and Democrats and Congress are not serious about the border. But many Americans do see that Joe Biden is spending tens of billions of dollars to help Ukraine protect its own borders while our own border has effectively been erased. Now, my position all along is that we can do both of these things. There's no reason America can't protect our own borders and help turn back unlawful in, uh, wars of aggression that have invaded across international borders, like we did, for instance, in 1990 when Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait. There's no reason we can't do both. Joe Biden has shown no interest in doing both. So if it becomes the position of the Congress with a Republican House and right. a large Republican minority in the Senate, that we can only pass legislation that includes measures mm. to reform and protect our uh, own border situation, while at the same time supporting Ukraine soldiers on the battlefield as they try to take back that territory, I think that may be something that Joe Biden, the Democrats, have to accept. Yeah, and Vladimir Putin obviously wants to reestablish the world order with North Korea, with Iran, with China, and taking Ukraine, being able to take the rest of it or keep what he's got and let him to recalibrate, learn from the mistakes he made, uh, and come back stronger and begin infiltrating in these Baltic states, uh, B- Baltic nations elections and gradually take it back. And they're going to they are going to be so hard on this era of lawmakers, news newscasters, uh, journalists for allowing it to get because the next time we confront Russia, it's going to be a lot harder, even though we're indirectly confronting them now. Do you see it that yeah, way? And I do. And it's also not just about Russia. And if Russia prevails in Ukraine, what comes next for Poland or the Baltic states? It's also about the lessons that, say, China learns about this and our stance on Taiwan. Um, you know, sometimes these conflicts happen in far-off places that many Americans truly could not pick off a map, Brian. That would have probably been the case in 1931 with Manchuria or in 1935 with Abyssinia. But if the League of Nations hadn't folded in 1931 over Manchuria or Great Britain had stood up to Italy at the Suez Canal in 1935 during the Abyssinia crisis – the history of World War II might have been very different. In fact, there might not have been a World War II. So that's why it's always in America's interest, if you look historically, to confront aggression early, swiftly, resolutely. And it doesn't happen if you have strength and it looks overwhelming. And we're not projecting that now. And the chaos in the House this week is not helping. Just 20 seconds on who do you think should be the next speaker? Well, Brian, I was in the House once. I know candidates like Jim Jordan and Steve, Steve Scalise very well. Um, I, I'm not going to put myself into their internal decisions. I, I regret that eight Republicans made a foolish decision to decide with Democrats to oust Kevin McCarthy, who was a good speaker and he's a very good man. Um, but whoever wins the speakership, I, I hope, is able to crowd the Republican majority and get mm-hmm. 218 votes with the conservative results that our voters sent us to Washington to achieve. Yeah, let's not make it a circus. Senator Tom Cotton, have a great weekend. Thank you. Your call's next. Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Let me just uh, squeeze in a quick call, and then we have uh, Tommy Laren on the other side and Jimmy Fela. Uh, Michael over in Tampa. Michael, what's on your mind? The border? Definitely the border. You know, we, we, we did this once before, put the military on the border. I did it in, in 98 uh, 
the former uh, chief of staff of the Army was actually my deployed commander, General McConville. We helped uh, CBP, Customs Border Protection, and it actually stopped quite a few coming across with the 101st Airborne Division. Let's do it again. What year is this? Uh, 1998, Bill Clinton was in office, so you so you got a Democrat in office, and we still did it then. Uh, we could do it again, uh, so it, it's it, it's not hard. Put the put a division down there, stop them, support CBP. We can't arrest them. We got a r- rules for that, but we can actually help them. I was a Blackhawk pilot, and we uh, we stopped quite a few coming across. I know. Listen, Trump tried that too. He was doing a lot of National Guard work among the people helping him out. Congressman Adam Kinzinger, he was there as an Air Force pilot, checking it out, providing surveillance, not shooting them. But that was a different time. There was people that really wanted to control the border. There's no doubt about it, Michael. This guy doesn't, but I appreciate your call. When we come back, Tommy Lahren, Jimmy Fallon will be in studio. Uh, there's a lot to discuss. So glad you're here. What, who's your pick for new speaker? I got mine. you think this is the brian kilmeade show hey welcome back everyone thanks for being with us all week long one of the craziest weeks i ever experienced because it was so unexpected uh as our political movement moves on and now we try to get another speaker uh with us in studio are two people who don't really get along and that's why i think this is a bad idea uh tommy laren and Jimmy Fallon are in studio together. But there's a seat. Be- if you're yeah. watching on Fox yeah. Nation, uh-huh. there's a yeah. seat between yeah. you. For the Fox Nation viewers, so they know, this isn't like COVID's not coming back. Right. This, this is, is yeah. genuine Tension. disdain. Yes. disdain. Okay, I offered to phone in. So why I even have to be here <laughs> with yes. this monster? I know. Right. Tommy Laren, Tommy, do you want to answer him? Well, I called him out because he repeats his outfits. In and what way? Which I don't. What do you mean? Well, I saw him in that outfit <laughs> last night at right. Hannity. So no. he didn't even change I for you, Brian. I'm wearing my jacket. I'm not wearing the same boots. I wear. I'm just wearing my jacket. I walked in. She's like, who's the homeless guy with one outfit? Well, Tommy Larry, get her out of it here. It does show her friendship that she feels comfortable enough to say that because if you weren't friendly, yeah, she yeah. wouldn't do it. Right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. So this just does, looking out for him. Right, this is locker room talk. Yeah, there was a time when she wouldn't have called me a homeless dirtbag. <laughs> <It's laughs> nice Those are the good old days. I just don't want the hallways to be talking about Jimmy's outfit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. So I remember uh, you came up to me, uh, Jimmy, six months ago, and you uh-huh. said, you just wait. Um, there's going to be a budget impasse, and Ken McCarthy's going to lose his job in a dramatic vote. And all except for the, like, you got the hour wrong. Yeah, yeah, I got so off, buddy. They call me Jim Stradamus. <laughs> no Stradamus of right. politics. So in your thoughts about this, what has happened since the vote that went down, the chaos? We have no House of Representatives <laughs> right now. I'm, I'm more concerned that Biden, when he heard we lost the House Speaker, was like, what am I going to play my music on? Right. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, I, listen, it should be on Bravo. You like Bravo. Should, should we Bravo. not put the House of Representatives on Bravo? It's a real housewife show now. The real House Representatives. The real House Representatives. Representatives of these, a good show. Yes, it's a food fight. Tommy, your thought about this, where we were and where we're at. Well, I don't think it looks good to the average American, right? So it's not that I'm a McCarthy apologist. It's just 
we can't govern our own party. How do we convince independents that we can govern the country? And shouldn't we be laser focused on all the problems that we have and how to fix them? Mm-hmm. I just don't think it looks good to the average American. But I do love a congressman, Jim Jordan. I yep. wanted him from the start. So I'm happy that he threw his name out there. That's my pick. If we got to go through this, let's at least end up with Jim Jordan. That I would give you because this is the thing really quick. You're right that the party looks bad. But if they do a great job with the majority between now and Election Day, no one's going to circle back to this week and be like, oh, screw them. That's the one thing they have going for them. I don't like what Gates did. I don't like the threshold. But at the same time, they are polling at 19 percent approval rating in Congress. So it's not like he broke up the Beatles. OK, he broke up Chumbawamba. OK, <laughs> late stage Chumbawamba. I, again, I don't like it. But I, you see what I'm saying, Bri? They had they still have an opportunity. They have they have some ramp. Put it this way. It's like the Yankees playing the Mets. Mm-hmm. And when the Mets go take the field, the Yankees just fight in the dugout. <laughs> oh, that's true. Sit, and you just sit there and go, what is going on here? I don't like the Yankees either. But yeah. what? can I just see a game? Can we <laughs> yeah. go out and legislate and do the old-fashioned debate? Did you like the way I did the baseball thing? I did. And yeah. I'm happy to hear that you like the Mets then, I'm guessing. Yeah. If you don't like the Yankees, you got to like the Mets. So I, I'll take it. Believe it or not, Tommy, I'm not a hater. But I grew up a Mets fan in an old Yankee environment. Mm-hmm. And because and then I became a personal mission when they went bad for twelve years. Mm-hmm. And then eighty six happens. Eighty actually yeah. eighty four happens, they start to play better. Eighty five they almost do it. Yeah. Eighty six they do, and I go, Let's dig in for ten years of fun and success. <laughs> no, the yeah. Mets nothing happened. Though the the Mets now they found cocaine. Yeah, I was oh in eighty you went to a Mets game in eighty six, the third baseline was missing. You're like, <laughs> Come on, <laughs> strawberry. That was for the field. Right. Or it could have been good. Let's yeah, not judge the conclusions. <laughs> Uh, I got I got a story for you that you're not paying enough attention to. So Brian Fitzpatrick, who's a sensible, moderate uh, Republican, former FBI guy in Pennsylvania, came on and said, listen, we were working on something behind the scenes with the Problem Solvers Caucus, aptly named, that was going to save or delay this whole vote. Mm-hmm. Here's what he told me uh, was taking place and see if it makes sense in 24 seconds. I'm not sure it will. 18. We said to our colleagues, can you vote present on the motion to table? Not even to table it, not even to not vacate, but just to vote present on the, on the motion to table. That's all we were asking for was some time, Brian. And that's why there are so many Republicans in our group that are very, very upset. And add me to that list. So we're going to get together next week. Uh, this is a member-driven group, and we're going to decide as a group, as a family, to figure out how to proceed. So what he went on to say is keep the chairman Republican, mm-hmm. ranking member Democrat, will equal the seats in the Rules Committee. Mm-hmm. In order to say, if you would just give us 48 hours yeah. to suppress this insurrection, mm-hmm. they're problem solvers. They're supposed to be solving a problem. Yeah. God armor wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And Hakeem basically said, let him rot in hell. Wow. So yeah. I don't know if that would have helped because McCarthy had nothing to do with this, Tommy. I'm Let's get your take in particular. Your thoughts, if this was done and they gave up some of the Rules Committee, which decided what people vote on. Mm-hmm. The Rules Committee is yeah. much more powerful than it sounds. Yeah. Your thoughts, if this was ended up saving McCarthy. Well, I don't think there was anything there's I don't think there's anything that would have saved McCarthy because you've had Matt Gates in the corner from the get go ready to do something. I think Matt Gates knew he was going to do this. He needed a moment. He promised a moment and he's just been waiting for the right time to get his moment. So I really don't think it matters. I think at one time or another, Matt Gates was going to clamp down and it was just a matter of time. When are the camera lights shining the brightest? He found his moment. He took it. You're feeling on him. 
So I like some of his policies, most of his policies. Uh, personally, though, I think he'd rather be an influencer than a leader. And that bothers me. I think he likes attention. And if you like attention and you get stuff done, that's great. But as Jimmy mentioned, when you have Congress that's a very slim majority and you're playing games like this for attention, it rubs me the wrong way. Well, yeah, yeah, no, I agree with everything she said on a substantive level. Like, But when it comes to Gates, I just feel like like people would like him more if just his hair was a little bigger. You know right, I mean? we, and his head. Just, yeah, get the pompadour up, put a little more eyeliner on. I think people would be more committed. It's not, uh, you know, Gates is a clown, and he, to her point, he wants to be an influencer. This is where McCarthy deserves criticism. This is where he deserves credit. Okay, I think he was insane to take the speakership based on that one-vote threshold. I think you need to get yeah. that off the table to move forward. But where he deserves credit is he could have saved his speakership by making a deal with the Democrats. He could have sold out and given them something to get a few present votes or to get a little bit of support and preserve his speakership, but he didn't want to sell out. So to his credit, I give McCarthy, you know, he deserves credit for that. Here's Gottheimer responding to Brian Fitzpatrick on another channel. That is totally, uh, I think, not, not a fair picture at all what happened. One, as I just said, we tried to figure out a way forward where we can encourage more bipartisanship on the floor, allow more of Democratic priorities to get to the floor. And, and of course, I think we would have um, uh, found a way forward with, with the Speaker. He wasn't interested in that, so it's very hard to, to do that and under those circumstances. And again, that was his decision. But secondly, you know this, Joe, because you were there. Picking the speaker is a family decision based in the respective caucuses. In this case, of course, the Republicans are in the majority. That's their family dinner. I'm not invited to that. They make their decision. So, number one, McCarthy wasn't even part of it. Yeah. So he's wrong on that. He's, he's either speaking on it, uh, mm-hmm. dishonestly yep. or he's delusional, drunk. I don't know. But they <laughs> might uh, dissolve the, the uh, Problem Solvers Caucus. Bottom line is, listen to it also he projected. Cut 19. Well, I met with Jim last night. I will say, uh, Brian, I get along with literally all my colleagues. Um, there's no hard feelings, even though uh, in, with, amongst any of us, even though a lot of us have very different views. I met with, uh, with Jim yesterday. Uh, we've always had a solid relationship. He's a, he's a friend. Uh, Going to be talking to, uh, to Leader Scalise today. Uh, and Kevin Hearn is thinking about throwing his hat in the ring. We, what we do, Brian, is we meet with these uh, members uh, uh, as groups. So the, the okay. Main Street Republican Main Street group, the Tuesday group, Problem Solvers, we're going to do forums and allow them to present. And our members have questions, right. namely the, the motion to vacate, vacate Brian. We want to make sure that that is fixed because we cannot perpetuate this problem that we saw last week. You went on to say that he does not think it's going to go smooth. He's going to be multiple votes. And know what he said? What? Don't be surprised McCarthy comes back. Whoa. Wow. That would be a twist. Whoa. I mean, I like Jim Jordan. I think he's got the votes there. But here's what bothers me. I talked to Jimmy about this last night when I was just brushing past him, trying to avoid him. Um, We talked about yes, because he was wearing the same jacket. I wasn't sure it was clean. But (laughs) (laughs) anyway, did you like how I did that there? I'm worried for Jim Jordan because I like Jim Jordan, and I talked to Jimmy about this last night. When's the last time that a Republican speaker was popular amongst his fellow Republicans? It worries me because I think he's got a a, a big, big future in this party. I would like to see him at some point run for president, do something big. I don't want this to soil him, and that's just my own selfish worry and concern. I just – I think they hate anybody in that spot. Anybody in that spot is just a rhino. Like, you walk in, you're a rhino. Well, listen. The, the fact that Trump endorsed him 
okay, we'll give him some weight. In but Trump situation. also liked McCarthy because McCarthy said nice things about Trump him. Trump also likes anyone Trump that's for been... Speaker 48 hours yes, ago. That's okay, true. Trump has technically endorsed three people in this race himself, McCarthy, and Jordan. Okay, but if he commits to Jordan, whoever goes in there, okay, it is so incumbent that they have the capacity to whip the votes the way Pelosi did. Because at the end of the day, McCarthy's out because Pelosi could send a text message from California telling everybody to vote in lockstep to get rid of him. Okay, that's a hold she has over the party. You need somebody in that position that has that kind of heat. So the one thing Jordan has going for him, he's a very effective prosecutor, and I hope that'll help him whip up the votes. So Jimmy Fayle is here to, of course, appear with Tommy and also to emphasize to everyone that he's going to go through with it. And what I'm talking about is Jimmy Fayla's Fox Nation special is at the Paramount on October 13th. Next Friday. Yeah, so next Friday you're going to be on stage. And everyone is welcome except Tommy Lahren. Yes. Right. Everyone else. Because of the rivalry. Tommy, I'm sorry it's sold mm-hmm. out. No, but there are a few, <laughs> a few seats left. Uh, it's the Paramount next Friday night, 7 o'clock show. You know it's I'm going. Be, you better be there. Right. Okay, it's the right thing to do. A lot of your colleagues are going. Like, when I saw who RSVP'd, yes, I was like, i got to get my life together. Really? You know, who's, just, go, like, who's going? Uh, oh, you want me to name? I don't know if I should name names. I don't I don't want to put them in a bad spot. I'll tell you off well, the save air. Save it for your show? What'd you say? Save it for your show? Well, I mean, not, I don't think any of them are admitting publicly that they're going. And it could have been their assistants to just check the box. No, no, it's, it's them, but they... You know, they're telling people publicly, they're like, no, I'm not going to Jimmy Fallon show. I'm going to Epstein Island. I'm on. No, they don't want to admit to hanging out with me. They're like, I'm visiting R. Kelly in jail. Jimmy uh, Fallon, what are you talking about? Uh, all right. So listen, when we come back, Jimmy will apologize to everybody he just thought would alternately go to Epstein Island. And then <laughs> we'll get back. Names. But you, you, listen, we all know who's going. Hannity will be there. Uh, Tom, are you going to stick around, too? Yeah, but not for Jimmy Fallon's special. Right. Just yeah, for like nobody will go. By the way, Tommy's wearing a different outfit, unlike Jimmy. Thank you, Tommy, yes, for changing. You. Now, if only she had a different attitude. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> Back in a moment. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news. Unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Said it was worth between three hundred and seven hundred million dollars. They were saying that it's worth eighteen million. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they don't even try to pretend. Yeah. Like why, if, why does no one the trust guy, the mainstream? If the guy says his album's worth a billion dollars, right? Yeah. And then you come along and say, no, 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 it's worth like eight hundred million. Forbes says it's worth as much as seven hundred million. We're, we'll call it seven hundred million. Now you got a reasonable argument. Yeah. But if you say eighteen million, like you gotta know that's a, a palace. The place is a palace. It's 20 acres. Get the and- f- out of here. This is great. You can't do that. That's like too obvious that you're just, you don't give a f- about the truth. And that is so true. And that's what this case has brought. We thought Alvin Bragg just showed everyone the idiocy of going after Trump at this level. But this is so much worse, this civil trial, when they're going after his wealth. And it's a real threat, a legitimately threat. You can tell by the tension and stress he has. And the passion he has when he leaves the courtroom, by the way, brilliant that he showed up. Mm-hmm. Tommy Lair and Jimmy Fallon are here. Uh, they're here because they want to meet me in person. And they're <laughs> also here to make sure that uh, J- we know that there are just a few tickets left for Jimmy's special on Fox Nation at Paramount. It's coming up October 13th, Friday night. Friday night, next Friday night, 7 o'clock show. You can get tickets. You can hang out with the Fox mm-hmm. family. you got to behave, though. Okay, it's not SeaWorld. If you sit in the front, you can't touch the animals. Okay, don't get handsy with me. People like to get handsy. There's a lot of chubby chasers out there, Kilmeade. Do you know? <laughs> they see have, me. Have I ever touched you? Not you. I'm not worried about you. Oh, I was okay. talking about the audience. you're looking at me then. Dude, Why you're fine. I'm not letting you anywhere near so that stage. look the general direction. Dude, your seat is in the kitchen. Oh, that hurts I, I, my I'm feelings. I'm kidding. I love yeah. you. You've done so much to promote this. I owe right. you big. Uh, so, Tommy, 
I think I actually think that's what's going to be my A block on Saturday night show at nine. One Nation is going to be something's going on here where every time they go after him, he's getting stronger. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, Brian Kemp says I'd vote for him if he gets the nomination. Didn't think that was happening. Number two, the Club for Growth says st- we're stop with the anti-Trump ads at six million dollars. And when people saw him in that courtroom, I've been watching other channels. Nobody's celebrating this. They know it is. this is a bridge too far. The way this is stacked against him mm-hmm. is so amazingly tilted that even his enemies are saying this is not making me comfortable. We read that a column in the Washington Post with Ruth, Ruth Marcus. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that or no? I agree, but I also think this has been part of the strategy with all of the indictments and all of the issues that Trump has had in the last year and a half. The raid kicked it off, and then actually the impeachments kicked it off, and then the raid, and then the indictment, one, two, three, four, and now this and that. So I think this has been the strategy of the left. They want to run against Trump, so they want to bolster Trump, but now they're like, okay, maybe we are going a little bit too far. But either way, they kind of win, though, because even if they make him, you know, get some people behind him, those people that hate Trump are still not going to vote for Trump. Mm-hmm. But the people that are on the fence about Trump DeSantis will probably go for Trump because they feel like they're being threatened. So it's strategically very smart on the left. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think they o- I think they overestimated their yeah. intellect. Yes. And their strategy. I don't know how you feel. Yeah. They, they don't realize, you know, that this is really not a referendum on Trump. It's a referendum on the justice system. People don't believe in the legitimacy of the justice system, which is sad. OK, but that's why indictments aren't stopping him. There was a time in our youth where if a politician got indicted for anything, he resigned that night, and that was the end of it. But now these indictments don't mean anything because the Justice Department doesn't mean anything under Merrick Garland. Um, but it's so absurd, okay, the clip you played when we bumped back that was Rogan talking about how they're trying to devalue you know, Mar-a-Lago to make their case about him in, overinflating his assets. Okay, you know what the house down the block sold for $53 million. Mar-a-Lago is three times the size. It can't be worth $18 million. I mean, just think for the classified document in the bathroom alone. You got to be able to get yeah. another 30 million for that. So right now the they've never the people who did the Gallup poll have never seen anything like it mm-hmm. on inflation in the economy, on immigration, Republicans are preferred 25, 30 and 25%. Wow. And they say that normally they, this according to this uh I was listening to uh, Morning Joe looking at a clip this morning. The Marquette poll has him winning 54 and 48. It's mm-hmm. pretty significant. Mm-hmm. Trump head to head with Biden. They say normally Democrats would be very upset by this in a panic mode, but they said they believe that the the hatred towards Trump will balance it out. Mm-hmm. Is that that is what you feel? That is what I feel, and I also feel that they have a little bit of comfort and serenity because I still don't think Biden is going to be their nominee. So I don't think that they care. I've maintained this since yep. January. I think it's going to be Gavin Newsom. Yep. How we get there, I'm not entirely sure how you work out the Kamala part of that, but I think that they're not worried because they know that Joe Biden right now is a placeholder, and they know that right now he's failing, so Trump looks like he's doing better, but then they put a Gavin Newsom in there, and it changes everything. That's why they're not panicking, in my opinion. That's so interesting yeah. because I just think they, they have total faith in that Trump can't win. Yep. And I think Trump is gaining popularity. And the other selling, selling point is every one of President Biden's policies are blowing up in his face. Yeah, everything. 
you know, but you can't underestimate Biden because he's telling everybody he knows he's going to beat Richard Nixon. Right. Okay. <laughs> he's going to take him at that debate, take him out to the woodshed. What a mess. She's right, right though. Newsom's running. Yeah. And he's just trying to look like the accidental nominee. You don't think he, do you think there's a primary? No, I no. think Newsom ultimately wants to run, but he's graciously endorsing Biden. So it looks like he's reluctantly running when Biden finally gets off the ticket. I don't I think mean, it's a primary he, challenge. Yeah, no, not at all. Mm-mm. But he's so committed to not running. He's debating Ron DeSantis on Hannity at yeah. the end of November. Which he's makes so total committed. Sense. He's so committed to not running. You can go to GavinNewsom.com and make a donation just to find out how hard he's not running. Without Trump, who's your pick in the Republican side? Ron DeSantis. I'd, I'd say DeSantis or Haley, just because I'd want to see it blow up in the Democrats' face if the first female president is Republican. It would be hilarious. So be, and you're also thinking about jokes. Yeah, I'm thinking All right, jokes. Uh, Tommy, we're going to watch you on Outkick every time you're on. Uh, and also, Jimmy, go check out a show at the Paramount Friday night. Boom. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Uh, we have a lot on tap today. Jackie Heinrich standing by from Washington. There's so much action going on as the President of the United States is scrambling to get a hold of the border. Immigration policy, cities being overrun. It's not something that's spun. It's something we're living, and they know it. Maybe for the first time, you really can't blame. Uh, we'll also take your calls, and uh, you can always write me at briankilmeade.com. Don't forget to watch One Nation, by the way. We'll expand on all this stuff, 9 o'clock Eastern Time. On Saturday night on Fox News Channel. So right now, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. And we're not tracking, by the way, any of the money. We need to get an accounting of every dime that has been spent. And I tell you what, I will not support another penny for Ukraine. Uh, That is the sentiment among many on the Republican side. Ukraine funding in peril. Vladimir Putin is celebrating in a press conference yesterday. Is that what Americans want? Number two. I have gotten confirmation that former President Donald J. Trump will be announcing his endorsement of Jim Jordan for speaker. Wow, that's tough because you like Kevin McCarthy and always like Steve Scalise. Kingmaker picks the speaker and it's Jim Jordan. Yes, the 45th president who wants to be the 47th says Jordan should be it, but it's going to be a tough fight. Steve Scalise has the senior leadership. Will he be able to hold on to it despite not having the Trump power behind him? I guarantee one thing. It will be a circus. Number one. The border wall, the money was appropriated for the border wall. I tried to get them to reappropriate, to redirect that money. They didn't. They wouldn't. Do you believe the border wall works? No. Really? Okay. Just 20 miles, he'll be building it. But it's a start. As millions pour into our country at a rate we have not seen in our history. No one's following the law. No one's enforcing the law. For the first time, the Biden administration knows that we all know they are to blame and they're scrambling to fix it. And that's the sense I get today. I'm not sure how many people work on Fridays, but I know Jackie Heinrich is and she joins us now. Hey, Jackie. (laughs) Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. When's the president going to Delaware or is he? You know, it's a good question. I actually don't know his schedule today. I was just in a meeting trying to figure out his schedule for next week. And it looks like he might be in town next weekend. Um, He's had a pretty light week, all things considered, when you look at what's happening in Washington. And we haven't heard a whole lot from him except for yesterday to try to correct the record on, you know, this 180 he's doing on the border wall construction. I mean, he's getting blowback from Democrats. You had AOC 
flipping out, saying that he needs to own this decision and reverse it after <laughs> there was a lot of effort to tamp down what uh, Mayorkas said, trying to you know fight both ways and claim there's been no reversal in policy, but yet move forward with the, the border wall construction that Biden said he would never build a foot of. So just for uh, everyone to understand, Joe Biden didn't always feel this way about the wall. Uh, also, in, in an NBC interview in 2007, he says, we absolutely need it. And we can't be a country if we don't have control of our border. That'll that'll compromise our sovereignty. I guess that was a time when sov- now sovereignty matters less, perhaps. But here's a look back at some Democrats from Hillary Clinton. Well, you'll know everybody, maybe Steny Hoyer, Joe Manchin. And we end with Mark Kelly. Cut seven. There isn't any uh, sensible approach except to do what we need to do simultaneously, you know, secure our borders with technology, personnel. Uh, physical barriers, if necessary. The bill before us will certainly do some good. It will authorize some badly needed funding for better fences and better security along our borders. Construction of a 630-mile border fence that create a significant barrier to illegal immigration on our southern land border. I think uh, physical barriers are part of the solution. Why do you I see value speak, in a border? I can't speak. Why do you see value I in a border? I see value barrier? in a border because I've, looked, I've talked to the uh, Custom Border Patrol people. Listen to the Border Patrol agents, the guys on the ground who have to deal with this every single day. And what they'll tell you, is that in some places we need barriers. You know, we need border wall. So, I mean, why don't those people, why don't their opinions from 2006 to 2022, why don't they matter? Why aren't they called out on this? You know, you're starting to see them get called out on it. Um, it, At least the White House called out on it yesterday because, you know, finally, I think with the pressure coming from blue city leaders, you know, you've got the New York City Mayor Eric Adams going to Mexico to, you know, talk to them about how to stem this at the source, um, really showing up the Biden administration in their effort to tamp down on this. I think they're finally starting to respond to some of the cries for help that are coming from their Democratic colleagues. Um, and it sure looks like they decided to move forward with 20, 20 miles of new border wall construction because the DHS secretary's announcement said there was an acute and immediate need to address a high rate of illegal crossings in the Star County, Texas area. That got a ton of blowback from environmentalists um, saying that this would kill wildlife migration and also habitats and also uh, progressive Democrats laying into the president saying that this is a reversal of your long-held stance that you would not resume <sighs> you know, Trump-era policies. They're trying to have it both ways, you know, it's not working out because everyone can see that that this is a 180. This is a reversal. Uh, and clearly, Mayorkas got a phone call after that statement because he tried to put out a new one yesterday, clarifying that there was no new policy from this administration on you know their position on border walls. It's a bunch of nonsense. You're, you expedited construction of it and waived 26 federal laws to do it, becoming Biden the first Democratic president in history to use that law to bypass all laws. I mean, don't you it must be so frustrating when you know that they don't even believe what they're telling you. So uh, so it's hard to argue with someone that they don't have, they'll just continue saying things as if it's your it's your issue. But Stephen Miller sobered us up. They have a parole program that's allowing this. They have incentivized Venezuelans to come here because they can work here. Cut 12. Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but the administration is actually accelerating and increasing the pace and scope of its illegal resettlement operation. The administration's entire plan is to funnel illegal aliens 
to CBP to then move them deeper into the interior of the country as seamlessly and quickly as they possibly can. They are doing this using a scheme known as parole. And that not only gives these illegal aliens immunity from deportation, but it gives them the ability to become legal residents and to obtain a path to citizenship. So it is a border amnesty that is being administered by the Biden administration to secret illegal aliens into the country by the hundreds of thousands to create these future Democrat voting blocks. And that is happening at a quicker pace with every week that passes. So we cannot fall for the misdirection. I, I, so that's why I thought it was important to play that. It was a minute long. But this guy's an expert on the border, Stephen Miller. And they know it. They can't get anything by him. It's not yeah. just the wall. Everybody knows, Jessica, we know the wall's not enough. There are light poles there that are not electrified. There's no surveillance cameras in a lot of these places because he stopped it on a dime. But it's the policies that bring them there and what happens when they come here. That's what's going start, to start it. And when they tell you well, and you ask the question, I, I, you know, I had a plan for immigration reform. They just don't want to pick it up. I find that a little insulting. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, that's a, another reason why the former President Trump, in seeing that Biden had you know, picked up the mantle and is now constructing 20 new miles of border wall, was like, well, great for him, but this doesn't address the 15 million or so immigrants who are in the country illegally. The former President Trump saying, you know, a lot of them come from mental institutions, prisons, um, and also are on the terror watch list. We, we do know that there have been numbers of those um, that who were intercepted, of course, who had that kind of history. But the other question is, of course, always about the gotaways. Trump was pushing Biden to also reinstate Remain in Mexico and Title 42. But the Biden administration, you know, even when they take actions like this, um, in terms of allowing for work programs, expediting, um, you know, processing. And now even on the, the border wall, these are all actions that they don't really like to advertise. The only thing they like to advertise is their claim that the Republicans are not willing to partner with them on border security. They talk about the $4 billion in funding that they've been asking for from Congress to, um, you know, surge more resources at the border and saying, trying to make it, Republicans out to want to preserve this as a political issue that they can just continue to fight on both sides and bring it to the campaign. It's just not true. You have Republicans in Congress who are very willing to work on issues like DACA and Dreamers in exchange for border security. The problem is the administration does not see, you know, physical security or, um, you know, increased law enforcement at the border as a priority. They want these programs really to get people into the country to increase the total number of refugees we take in, to add more asylum uh, judges, process these cases faster, and, and bring more people into the country. So they're just fundamentally very far apart. Uh, the White House does not want to, you know, admit that that their policy at this very difficult political time, when you're having a crisis at the border that's getting the attention of Democrats heading into an election, um, you know, that, that their stance is that we actually are not trying to stem. So, so some of the things that are also going on is naming a new speaker. It's not exactly your beat. Uh, Jim Jordan and Steve Scalise. Is it your hunch and the belief that this is not going to be a quick vote? That this is not going to be a one-day thing? Yeah, that is what I'm hearing. You know, we know that there's going to be a a conference meeting next week, and uh, there's been rumblings about, you know, Trump showing up to that. He did say that he would maybe expect 
uh, or, or accept uh, the speakership himself for a short period of time while also endorsing Jim Jordan for the job. But the reality is, you know, Jim Jordan does not necessarily have the support of the whole spectrum of Republicans in the conference. Steve Scalise um, also does not have the, the respect of the whole spectrum. You had uh, a lot of McCarthy loyalists who, who have felt like, you know, it's not really a secret that uh, Scalise and McCarthy have not always been close. And, and uh, there were feelings among some members that, um, you know, infighting within leadership, trying to sort of take each other down. Um, I'm sure you saw the story come out that the body was not even cold when Scalise announced his um, his bid to take Kevin McCarthy's job. So, you know, it's going to be tough to get anyone to coalesce around one person. There's an effort right now to try to keep that fight internal and not bring the, the bid to the floor until they can figure out who they can all get behind. That would tell me that we're not necessarily going to see a vote play out next week. And you're having now also, um, you know, the moderate Republican wing of the conference being aggressively lobbied by folks on, you know, from all different places here trying to get the, their support because they're sort of the wild card in terms of who they're going to get behind. Um, this is not likely to end anytime soon. It's uh, insane. That means they're not going to hit that November date. The appropriations bills have stopped. The investigations basically cease. Uh, they could do some yep. paperwork, but we're not going to see much going on uh, that I can see. So I had a chance to talk to Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick this morning, and he talked about the deal that was starting to be hatched behind the scenes, cut 17. This all happened so quick. Uh, a deal was pulled together on Friday, which in many ways was consistent with the Problem Solvers Caucus framework. Uh, we don't believe in government shutdowns. We um, issued a framework, endorsed a bill, uh, and ultimately there was a House bill to avert a shutdown that was put on the floor. Uh, Speaker McCarthy pulled a rabbit out of his hat. He saved our country from a shutdown. The Senate stood down and took up the House bill. And we were under the assumption, the logical assumption, that that kind of behavior would be rewarded, particularly from our colleagues across the aisle. Uh, and then fast forward three days later, this all happened so quick, the motion of AK gets put on the floor, and we went to our colleagues and said, can you at least buy us some time, 48 hours? We can't rewrite a 300-page rules package to make the House work more in a bipartisan manner in eight hours. It's impossible. So they, uh, they passed on it. So Josh Gottheimer, uh, Gottheimer, also in the Problem Solvers Classic, got on another network and said this. That is totally, uh, I think, not, not a fair picture at all what happened. One, as I just said, we tried to figure out a way forward where we can encourage more bipartisanship on the floor, allow more of Democratic priorities to get to the floor. And, and of course, I think we would have... Um, uh, found a way forward with with the speaker. He wasn't interested in that, so it's very hard to to do that in, under those circumstances. And again, that was his decision. But secondly, you know this, Joe, because you were there. Picking the speaker is a family decision based in the respective caucuses. In this case, of course, the Republicans are in the majority. That's their family dinner. I'm not invited to that. They make their decision. So he basically says, "Oh, that was never there. It wasn't. It never. It never would was brought up to Kevin McCarthy. He was not behind it." Well, they're saying that, you know, I'm hearing two things here. Of course, Kevin McCarthy is not going to admit that he's behind it, because how is he going to maintain the support of his conservatives if he is making a deal with Democrats to preserve the gavel? He's not going to ever, yeah. you know, overtly come out in public and say this is something that, you know, I'd be amenable to. That being said, you don't have to go to Kevin McCarthy if you have Republicans who are willing to make changes to the Rules Committee 
um, and the rules package, which includes the motion to vacate, which includes, you know, structure, committee structure, how many people are, are on that committee from each party to work toward the goal that they both share, these two sides, of having a more bipartisan functioning of Congress. Um, when you have Republicans willing to take that vote, uh, you don't have to hear the, the speaker talk about it. So I think that that's the frustration that you're seeing now. And there's been a lot of reporting that this group, this moderate group, um, you know, is on the verge of breaking down because now you have a deep, deep distrust within the Republican side of that conference saying, look, you had uh, McCarthy put a bipartisan bill on the floor to keep the government open that all of you Democrats voted for. And now you are going to oust him because of that. How does that stand up to the mission of this group, which is to preserve the functioning of government. Now you're seeing, a, you know, Congress grind to a halt. The likelihood of a government shutdown happening November 17th is only greater now because the kinds of deals that would need to happen between Republicans and Democrats to preserve, you know, prevent this from happening, as we saw last time, the candidates that are in the ring right now have, have said that they would not uh, support the CRs and those kinds of things. Yeah. So, Increased likelihood of a shutdown and also wavering Ukraine support. These, you know, moderates on both sides are, are big proponents of Ukraine funding. And you're not hearing that from the candidates on the Republican side right now, like Jim Jordan, who said publicly that he would not move a Ukraine package. So now the Democrats really own, um, you know, the consequences of this. And I think that that's putting Josh Gottheimer certainly against the wall wow. in having to talk about that um but that's that's the reality of what jackie, happened here for, for that group jackie you have a tough beat but you really broke it down for everyone thanks so much jackie heinrich thank you from washington back in a moment thanks. it's brian kilmeade the fastest three hours in radio you're with brian kilmeade Hi, everybody. Uh, let me take a quick call right now before I go to break, and then we'll be able to take some calls on the other side. Jane in Spring Lake, New Jersey on WABC. Hey, Jane. Hi. Uh, I'm really disgusted with the Republicans. They're doing exactly what the Democrats want them to do. They shouldn't have three candidates for speaker. Just get together, pick one, nominate him, and then vote. Do it it's in the back room, right, circuit. Jane? Do it in the back I'm room. Sorry? Work it out. Do it in the back room. Work right. it out. It's going to be like a circus again, and this is what the Dem Democrats would never, ever do this, and the Republicans keep shooting themselves in the foot. I don't know why they do this. Uh, Jane, I'm, uh, I could not believe what I'm witnessing. I'm still not over it. I'm going to need therapy just watching it. I've never, and I feel bad for Kevin McCarthy. Thanks so much, Jane. We'll see. There's going to be a forum on Fox, I think, on Tuesday where some of the candidates will make their case. They are friends, so it's not going to be a blood sport. There's no Matt Gates running. Uh, quick note, uh, Teddy and Booker T is coming out. Go to briankilmead.com and order it. So the, it comes out November 7th. But I'm going to be on stage in Renbank, New Jersey on the 9th. On the 10th in Ponte Vedra, WOKV listeners, in Huntsville on the 18th of November, followed by Montgomery the next day. I'll be in Pittsburgh, Holland, Michigan, Skokie, Illinois, and uh, Gillette, Illinois. So I hope to see everybody out there live and in person, VIP opportunities, all with Fox Nation. A couple of these shows might even be streamed, oh, at least one, but maybe two, stream live.
the talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The reality is, is there's a really big gap at this point in time between who I am, what's important to me, what I'm about, and where the Democratic Party is and what's important to them and what they're about. And that's really come to a head since I've become the mayor. If you look at how I've governed, it's been Republican for fiscal conservative principles, pro-law enforcement, pro-public safety principles. I'm just saying that is the kind of Republican I want to be, and, I, and we need more of them. That is Eric Johnson, mayor of Dallas, uh, one of the biggest cities in the country. And he's African-American, and he just flipped parties. And it's a big story. Uh, and people uh, in the Democratic side are really angry about this. It's a very Democratic city, but he's had it with the weak. Uh, he's got he's tired of the blowback for sticking up for police officers, number one, and the crazy spending that is happening and the lack of law enforcement uh, from the district attorney. With me right now in studio is Tyrus. Uh, Tyrus got a book coming out called Nuff Said coming out November 7th, 17th, 17th. So you wanted to back off from me for 10 days. Because yeah. you're a little fearful. I come, I come out on the 7th. Yeah, you come out on the 7th. I wanted to give you a little room. Thank give you. Give you a lead. I owe you a favor. See if I can catch you. All right. I know you can. Game on. Uh, so Mayor Eric Johnson. But you have a like great it. book. Like I, I, And I'm, I'm on you it. You endorse it. I endorse it. It's, what it's, were you thinking? I, you know what? <laughs> you don't get enough credit, man. Like you're a, you're a, you're, you're a boots on the ground guy. You're, you're a lot like me. I have a lot of respect for you, man. You're one of those guys. You're not afraid to roll the sleeves up. When you take your tie off, I know you're you're about to do some work. It's Saturday, not, it's not posturing. You're get, you're going to get some work done. Saturday is at nine. With Tyrus is joining me this week. What about Mayor Eric Johnson? Is this a big deal? You know what? It, it didn't. It's funny supporting law enforcement and wanting to spend responsible in your city didn't used to be a Republican thing. It used to be a normal thing. He wasn't what he he didn't hop because he had a change in philosophies. He just didn't want the crazy anymore. He wants his citizens safe. So he probably committed, and this I've been talking about this a lot, and we've talked about this, to do the job, you might not get reelected. If you do what's right, and we do it right for the people, they might not see it then. Right. And the people around you who influence you and want to fund your campaign, they are like, this is not what we want. But if you do there to do the job, you won't last long. So you know that but you'll might, sleep well at night. But you also remind me that maybe you're, you're leaning towards term limits would be working yeah. to ask, almost saving people from themselves. Exactly, right? because here's the thing: like recently, when uh, Feinstein passed away, when they run her list of accomplishments, she did a ton when she first got in. She was on a on a cusp of everything. Then it just teeters off. And then they're just there yep. and they just make promises and they make money. I think that the first two terms, they try to do work. And after that, they load their 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 cash and they're, all they answer to is the lobbyists and the campaign. So, uh, again, what he did was shouldn't have been he shouldn't have had to become a Republican to want to keep his city safe and fiscally sound. Evidently, when he stuck up for the cops on that bridge, Lawrence Jones, who did the interview, told me that the uh, BLM came to his house. Yeah. Uh, and started harassing his family. And that that was a, obviously a bridge too far. Well, not just that, but that's the funny thing about BLM. Black Lives Matter, but apparently his doesn't. But that's the thing. Black Lives Matter was never about black people. It was about the individuals who put it together, who use black, the group, the, 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 the fake news of systemic racism and stuff to scare white people with money to give them money. And they, they got rich off it. They didn't build one school. They didn't, you know, how many laptops were given out in the city or even turkeys at Thanksgiving. Nothing. They just made money and threatened people. That's all. That's they're a hate group. And uh, you know what? 
them showing up in front of his house just proves exactly who they are. I want you to hear more from uh, from the mayor, Mary Johnson. I, I, I should say, since it's radio, he is uh, African-American, right. cut 22. We need more fiscal conservatives and law and order people who have conservative principles, basically Republican principles running for office at the local level, and particularly for mayor. We need more Republican mayors. We can't afford to let the cities look like they're, they look right now, from San Francisco to Chicago to Philadelphia to D.C. The news is filled every day with, with all this out-of-control, lawless behavior. It's because, again, it's a, it's a culture of lawlessness. It's, it's lax DAs on the Democratic side, and it's local leaders, mayors on the Democratic side, who've just created this environment. And that's he's out of it. And everyone's ticked at him on the left. But th- what's their argument? How dare that's, you get yeah, elected? How, how dare you put your people first? Like, the fact that he's African-American is relevant. But, of course, the side that's bringing that up isn't the Republican side. No. It's, and it's funny because, and I'm sure he's not black anymore. Because that's the thing they like to do. Whenever, you know, I've been a Republican for a long time and I don't, I don't give a damn what some stranger thinks of me. But uh, when they criticize me, it'll be like, oh, you're fake black. You know, your your blackness is gone. Apparently, my blackness is only involved when I vote for uh, states that uh, welfare states. So it's it's funny that they want me to vote against myself. Um, and it's the same thing where he's doing what's right. And it's, we see it across the board. Like Bill Maher is, is right now. He's not. He's never he hasn't changed his political views at all. Uh, it's just that the extreme of the left has the microphone and, and the camera right now. And they're pushing these these crazy these socialist ideas that they forget that people are, unfortunately, we have a lot of horrible people in this country who do bad things all the time and exploit and steal and police are there for a reason. And if we don't have police, we have anarchy and you see anarchy. We so see it in the cities. So I, I was with the Suffolk cops on Saturday. So they have this, their, their version of special forces, their 50 year anniversary. So I was talking to them and he says, it's amazing how, we went from the best guys to the worst guys. We were the problem. But they still had to do their job every single yep, day. They do. And they never got any credit when they did it. You don't get paid enough. Uh, clearly, the benefits are fantastic. But you don't get paid enough when you're doing it. And your job is uh, – your uh, life is always in jeopardy. But I, but what I was st- saying is for a while, people said, I'm better off breaking up with you. Yeah. And then you move on. Some retired. Some go, okay. You go – you have the street. Oh, I'm too aggressive on the streets. You want me back in the car? You don't want me – okay, I'll, I'll back – I'm the problem. And then they realize how bad life is without them. Exactly. And they asked them back, and they said, I'm sorry, I'm seeing somebody else. Yeah, as they should. Recruitment's down. And again, if, if there was a time when, uh, when, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a cop. I think every kid goes to – they want to be a firefighter or a cop yeah, or a yeah. doctor or whatever, a police officer – and, um, like, I wouldn't let my children now, not because I have an issue with them wanting to protect and serve the people. It's the people. You know, I, I see cops being spit at, thrown things thrown at them. Uh, every time a police officer does a job, they break out a camera and start recording oh, as the arrest yeah. happens. Not what happened beforehand. And, and uh, oh, it's everyone thinks they're Rosa Parks when they resist arrest. They're not. They're committing crimes. And so we... When you lose good officers, when you lose, like New Orleans, where I live, I live outside the city, and I, I'm so thankful. That Are I live you okay outside, outside the city? Because we have three police forces. Our taxes is a little higher in Mandeville, but we have the bridge police, we have our sheriff, and then we have our, our regular police. And you know what? I see them everywhere, and I'm always smiling. Like, oh, there they go. Hey, cool. You know what? And and that's an people like that. People like to see 
police officers. We need to have a different philosophy. And I don't know how we get back to – we used to know the police officers in your neighborhood, right? And in the city, that became when we – when police got off the beat and got in the cars, that's where that disconnect came. Right. We need to get back to that. But again, I with no I, there's no way I could tell a cop to walk the streets of New York and neighborhoods anymore because the way they are treated. Like, why get up and put your life on the line every morning for it's a thankless job? It was always they always should have been paid more. And I always uh, my stand up shows I always get asked like if I ran for president, what's the first thing I would do? And I was like, well, no taxes for police officers and and uh, veterans, because it's they're playing with their bodies. Why should they have to pay taxes on top of that? But at least give them something at this point. Yeah. Welcome back or come home. Ain't good enough. Like and I said, ain't ain't good enough. They need like you need to. It needs to be a huge uh, raise package, increase the benefits, include the families, make it easier for them to get home loans. You need to do something right. to one and try this. We're sorry. Right. America's sorry. We effed up. Right. But but present company excluded because yeah. I never was buying into that. I couldn't believe when people were saying we have to reimagine police. Uh, yeah. Don't you love that yeah. term? And Let's yeah. reimagine re- it. But the, but the criminals aren't reimagining it. Right. I'm, no, you know? They're imagining. They go, I can't believe how good and I am. And now it's it. starting to affect the people that wanted them gone. Now they're feeling the pinch. Now their horrible things are happening. Right. And even then, they're so committed to the narrative that – Unless they're bleeding from their nose and you interview them at that moment where they say, we, we're the police. We need the police. We need these criminals have to go. It's only because they were affected. Their car got jacked. Their loved one got stabbed. Like they don't when it's when they're affected, all of a sudden they want it. And it's too late. And this and these are in affluent neighborhoods. Let's think about what's going on in the inner city right now with no police presence. The uh, drug dealers are running the thing. Well, yeah. The abusive dads are running the thing. The domestic violence, though, they're. They have nothing to worry about now. Even if the even if the police come and arrest them, they're out within the afternoon. And guess who they're coming home? Guess who's coming home to dinner with a real attitude worse than before because you call the cops on them. Like this is what people are living with right now. New Orleans, especially the the cops are down what fifty percent. I think they, at one point we're down to eight hundred. Yeah. Right? Well, and, and our mayor is staying in ambassador suites and traveling for you know first class. She's on the still people. there. Yeah, she's still there. Uh, you know, and it's like. And it's, oh, there's no problem. They have this mentality, well, you break a few eggs. Like, that's the socialist mentality. Somehow these, this is all going to turn around. All of a sudden, everyone's going to start singing Kumbaya, and everyone in the streets will be paved with candy and, and licorice and whatnot. It's going to be all happy. People don't change. The only reason why they, there's law, there is a reason for law and order. There was a reason. I'm not a religious man. There was a reason for the Ten Commandments to right. get us to stop eating each other and marrying llamas. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. people... If left to their own devices, right? we got a lot of ignorant cousins. We just have to admit it. There's a lot of ignorant people out there. Right. And you get them together, and you get some of the stuff that we are now seeing with the Democratic Party. Like, it just makes zero sense, the stuff they say, because it's not realistic. It's It sounds good, maybe online. And that's the problem is they can't separate their fantasy characters online and their chat sessions and role-playing with what's going on in the streets until it happens to them. Right. In New York, I think the assaults on cops – I've doubled in one year. Because you're a hero now. Right. You punch a cop, you're a hero. I did not know that. In the neighborhood, you look at it and you get away with it. If you're brave enough to swing on one, good luck. But I'm just – but when you stand up to the police, when you break the law now, you videotape it. You know, when you're jumping on top of a police car, you're on the video. And people aren't turning you in. And if they in turn you in, well, it's only – it's less than $500 worth of damage. Right. 
kids are now forming groups on on social media to go to go rob coordinated attacks in stores and stuff. And then and then you look for adults in the room and you have these left wing saying it's reparations. Excuse me. Like it's just it doesn't even make sense. It does. Fun thing. If you saw what was happening in Philadelphia the other day, I guess they were upset yeah. that a cop got off. Uh, most of these kids were white. Yeah. I mean, the kid that threw his bike through somebody's windshield is a white kid. Yeah. Like I said, race is not the issue. It's the convenience. They claim it. It's convenience because when they say it, typically, no one fights back. Right. You're racist. Whoops. I'm sorry. What have I done? Instead of, okay, and you're an idiot. So now what do we do? When we come back, uh, my idea that Tyrus might want to be a part of, but he is not shy about saying it's a bad idea and he doesn't want to be a part of it. To find out how good my idea is, you can only find out if you keep listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Want even more, Brian? Download the podcast at briankilmeadeshow.com. Every episode, exclusive interviews, on demand. More of Kilmeade coming up. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Meanwhile, with Kevin McCarthy out, North Carolina Congressman Patrick McHenry will serve as the interim speaker. Yeah, Kevin McCarthy and Patrick McHenry. They have similar names, so it's a little confusing. Uh, Here, let me break it down for you. Kevin McCarthy. Patrick McHenry. Kevin McCarthy. Patrick McHenry. McHenry McCarthy. McHenry McCarthy, two men, same party. <laughs> McCarthy, McGarvey, McCollum, McCall. McCarthy, McCarthy, McCartney, McGraw. McCarthy, McGovern, McCormick, McBath, McClellan, McJagger, McCheese, back to Pat. McCarthy, McGovern, McLovin, McRib, Matthew McConaughey, now back to Mick. Kevin and Kevin and Kevin and Matt. Matt ousted Kevin and now we have Pat. Patrick and Patty and Patrick and Pat. Kevin and Kevin James, mean format. Pat McHenry, after him. Pat, Pat, Kev, Kev, Matt, Matt, Jim. So that was Jimmy Fallon. The late night shows are back. Uh, Tyrus? They came back from the strike with that. <laughs> that was brutal. So, like, you know, what, what, was, you, what, what was the point of that? I don't even know yet. That, I'm still trying to figure out. I think, what? Why? I think Eric and, uh, and Allison and Christine. Did they not get a raise? Right? <laughs> I would <laughs> restrike. I, if I was the union, I'd be like, hold on. We didn't give you a raise for this. I know. So, they, uh, you guys, even... I guess you guys aren't competing against them anymore, Gutfeld, technically, right? You're on a 10. Uh, we're still, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know if it's, we compete or not. I just know the sound it makes when our ratings are higher. So, <laughs> That's good. So I don't really know. So um, do you want to hear my idea? Yeah, let me hear it. You I, get me here. So you, Senator Tim Scott goes to see mayor, uh, the mayor, uh, Eric Johnson of Dallas. Right. And we know that John James and Rick Scott and Senator Tim Scott are close. And we know that Byron Donalds was talking to him nonstop and they get along. They're great guys. They're African-American. They're Republicans and they take a lot of incoming. And I'm just wondering if Tyrus would join with them and start speaking, going around. I know you're busy, yeah, I'm busy but, but, but don't you think you could spread the message of your background, where you came from, and why you're who you are? And don't you think that would resonate? Yeah, you know what? I would. It's a great idea for one other reason, because I like Tim Scott a lot, and, and I'm I'm pulling for him in the debates. But he's he just he's a numbers guy. He's a policy guy, but. On the mic, his charisma is a little low. So I think motivational. Yeah, motivational. Yes, but like, 
There's come some times when he needs to get a little, you know, a little, little angry. Cantankerous. And spit, and spit some, yeah, there you go. Nice work, cantankerous. But, uh, yeah, I would definitely do that. But, um, you know, and hope we all rub off on each other a little bit. I get a little policy-minded. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe I'll think about a different hat with the other brother. And, you know, he'll get a little more swag in his game. He's just so uptight. Relax, bro. Like, right. Like, give us a little little flair. That's what we need. We need I mean, a little, little something. Alan West is a big contributor to the show. So you guys, oh, yeah, when, when you come man. out and you say, hey, I'm a conservative, you take stuff from other uh, African-Americans, don't you? Not in my face. I've never had anybody walk <laughs> up to me and be like, look, conservative scum. It's never happened. Right. It never happened. They might look like, oh, you on that one show. Yeah, keep doing you, bro. Now, <laughs> now I might get, uh, and that's one thing I get a lot, especially from uh, black actors and stuff. They'll be like, hey, man, I love you on the show. And I'll be like, you want to come on? No. <laughs> you know, but now it's like, yeah, I might want to come on now because it's it's changing. Because Sean Main, the God, I listen to him once in a yeah. while. He, it's hard for him to go along with a lot of the stuff that's happening. No, but he used to. You know, yeah. he, you know, he's put up, and he lets uh, he let Biden get away with the "you ain't black" thing. He should have kicked him off the show as soon as he said that. But um, and now he's starting to be like, it's buyer's remorse. You know, right. it's like it's uh, that scene from Step Brothers where the suits at first were cool. But after he got to know him for a while, now the tuxedos are kind of messed up. That's kind of the same thing with the Democratic Party, with, right. with uh, especially black men. We're like, what's for it? What's for us in this again? We're right. the bad guy in every scenario. We apparently can't achieve anything without help. Right. So it's like literally there's nothing in it for you. Like what is it all other than take my taxes and tell me that I'm inferior right. politely and that I can't do anything without programs and I need welfare checks and I can't do math and English. So, you know, that I just don't see how that's conducive to, to want to be a part of a party. Here, like that. Here's your challenge. We woke up this morning, you killed it on Fox and Friends. You just killed it here for 30 minutes. Do you have enough in the tank tires to actually kill it on One Nation Saturday night at 9 o'clock? Now, think about it. Don't show me. Can you do it? You know what? I'm insulted. Yeah. This is what of course I, yeah, you can, I, right? I got this. Yeah. I can literally repeat stuff. You won't notice. You'll be exhausted <laughs> by this. <laughs> that is not true. I am a good listener. How dare you? Yeah. One Nation, Saturday night. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.